1: Welcome to a brand new Arse blog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com after what has been a pretty good week, a pretty interesting week, a pretty event-filled week uh, for the Arsenal since last we spoke last Friday, well, lots has gone on. Uh, most of it has been quite good. Of course, there's been some bad along the way, as there always is. Uh, but that's, um, that's par for the course when it comes to this football club, right? Uh, you know, we qualify for the Champions League. That's good. But we've lost Olivier Giroux for four months. That's bad. And we were 2-0 down against Everton, that's bad. But then we came back to make it 2-2, and that's good. So you kind of have to live with the ups and downs, even in the very in the very short term. But it was one of those strange kind of weeks, wasn't it? Because everybody was so anxious about Wednesday night. I think that was affecting the mood and the and the Giroux news on top of that. It was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Uh, all of a sudden, a player that loads of people, you know, don't have a great deal of time for. Everyone's going, actually, you know what? That guy is uh, pretty important for us in the grand scheme of things. Even if we don't have anybody better, uh, this isn't so good. It's amazing what a fractured tibia will do to change people's opinion of you, right? you got a feel for Giroud, actually. Came on, made a big, big impact in the second half at Everton. Scored a goal in the last minute to to get us a point. And then late on, you know, he just sticks his foot out to block a clearance, as you would. Uh, you could do it 250, 500, who knows how many times in a season you block a ball like that and nothing would happen, but for whatever reason, something went snap. And... Um, the initial prognosis was like, well, it could be a couple of weeks and then, you know, it could be actually a couple of months and then it turns out he's going to be out until January. So that's not good. And um, I know people have criticized uh, the new uh, fitness coach, Shad Forsythe, about this. What is Shad Forsythe doing? Well, I'm not sure he can, you know, put a force field around players during games. He can't stop things like Giroud's injury happening or he can't stop a player twisting his ankle like Mikel Arteta did in the uh, in the Champions League last week. You have to uh, accept the fact that there are going to be some injuries throughout the season. Every football club and every footballer gets them at some point. But there there just seems to be something, doesn't there with with Arsenal and injuries and maybe we have got lucky along the way with one or two players, but when we get unlucky, we get really really unlucky. You know, weeks become months, become well, who knows. I mean, imagine if Jesus was an Arsenal player. Had to go through that whole crucified thing, and then, as we all know, on the third day he, he rose again. God's waiting upstairs for his only son. Got the grill on, gonna have a few burgers, a couple of cold ones, watch the match, waiting and waiting, and God's going, It's the third day. He's supposed to rise again. Phone rings. Hello, God, this is the Arsenal medical team. Um, you know the way we said three days? Yeah, well, uh, you might want to sit down. So poor old Giroud. Um, and that's a, that's a blow for us. I saw people, of course, saying it's a blessing in disguise. Uh, and the only good thing about it is that it happened before the end of the transfer window. And we do have a chance to react. Whether we react or not um, remains to be seen. The manager, on the one hand, is saying he's very open to do any kind of deal, in any position. If we can strengthen the squad, we'll do it. And then saying, well, you know, the the thing is, you don't always have to buy. That, that's what people always say here, that the minute you get an injury, you've got to buy a player. And, you know, I'm not down with that, basically. So kind of mixed messages. Hard to know what to think. Is he just saying that to put people off the scent, or is he saying that because that's what he believes, that he feels he has enough options up front? We do have options, but whether those options are, are good enough, that's the question. We'll discuss that particular point with our guests in a little while. But that's the only upside, that if we do decide to bring in a, a striker, we've got time to do it. But uh, all we can do is wish Yiru well and, and, uh, and hope the recovery goes uh, as, as speedily and effectively and Shad as possible. But anyway, um, Champions League and qualification for the group stages for the 17th consecutive season, quite the record. One that's only bettered by Manchester United and Real Madrid. And look, it was a bit nail bity and a bit heart-in-mouthy and butter clenchy and all those kind of things. But that's what happens when you put yourself in that particular position. We couldn't get the away goal in Turkey, so it just left everything on a bit of a knife edge. Even when we went ahead, we knew the one goal was... It was going to be really, really dangerous. And the longer the game went on, the more damaging that one goal would be, of course. And then when you're trying to hang on with 10 men for the last 15 minutes plus injury time, well, yeah. I mean, there's exciting that's like, we, this is great exciting. And there's other kind of exciting that's just not as much fun. And that's kind of the not much fun exciting until you get to the final whistle. And then it's and then it's great. The sending off, I thought, was a bit harsh. Don't think Debussy can have any complaints about his first yellow card, because if you turn your shoulder into a guy in the air, you know, I think, that's, um, I think that's a yellow card. But the second one, two guys running through midfield. He got a touch on the ball. Yeah, there was a bit of contact with the man, but not every bit of contact is, is a yellow card. And if that's a yellow card, what about some of the fouls that were uh, carried out on our players? There were a couple of really bad, like, swipes across the leg. Alexis got hacked down. I think there was... Will Shurer, Somebody over on the left-hand touchline got hacked down as well. Um, and the referee then, of course, booked Callum Chambers uh, when he came on for entering the field without permission too quickly. You know, is kind of nonsense. But look, the thing is, the last 15 minutes shouldn't have been quite as um, nerve-wracking as they were because we had the chances uh, to kill off the game santi cazorla had a chance set up by alexis i thought alexis was going to shoot on his left foot but he set up cazorla and it was blocked and then alex oxlade chamberlain set up by national monreal should have put the game to bed with about 15 minutes to go shot straight at the goalkeeper but what i kind of like about oxlade chamberlain is that he has this natural ability to be in goal scoring positions or to take shots on goal and you know, there was a certain young Welshman who, whenever he got a sniff a goal in the past, would blast it high or blast it wide or, you know, not score basically until such time as he figured out how to do it. And you'd hope that with Oxley Chamberlain, once he gets a few goals, you know, it'll become a bit more natural to him in terms of his finishing. Um, and I think maybe it's early days and I could be just speculating here, but I suspect. This could be the, the breakout season for Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, if he stays fit because uh, he's got the pace, the power. He's got good vision. There was one pass maybe to Ozil on the left-hand side, which was brilliant, dissected the defence. You know, he's he's got all the qualities we need and the versatility also because he can play wide, play central midfield. I think this could be a, a big season for him. But look, that just made it a little bit more difficult for ourselves. We did it the Arsenal way, I guess you'd say. Um, But there you go. We did it. That's the main thing. We're through to the Champions League. And of course, the draw was made this afternoon after an interminable wait with uh, Peter Schmeichel and some lady doing the thing. And between every round of draws, they'd have a former Real Madrid captain to come out because... I don't know if you know this, but apparently Real Madrid have won the Champions League 10 times now. I had no idea from watching the first few minutes of that show or all the other stuff that happened months ago. Uh, but they had to go over and over and over and over. And then the bald guy talking Spanish to all the former Real Madrid captains. It was really weird because he kept asking them, are you, are you tired? Do you feel tired? Were they? I mean, what were they doing last night? Were they all out in, in Monaco on Roman Abramovich's yacht? you know staying up late partying you know, dipping mdma powder and ketamine on the top of each other no i've gone too far there but you know what i'm saying it was very weird anyway eventually we got to the to the draw part okay just too but anyway baruchia Dormand. well there is a surprise haven't had baruchia Dormand oh since last season and the season before the season before that, and, of course, 2002, 2003. Always very even and interesting games between, uh, between us. Um, so that'll be one trip. The next one is Galatasaray, and the only time we've ever played Galatasaray in Europe was in the 2000 UEFA Cup Final, which um, well, didn't go that well for us. That did not go well. So uh, we can get a bit of revenge there, and also um, uh, it's a return for for that lad Ebuway, isn't it? He'll come back, and um, he's a a cult thing. Yeah, I said cult. And the final team is Anderlecht, the Belgian champions, and the only time you've ever played Anderlecht in Europe is in the 1970 Fairs Cup final where Arsenal beat them over two legs overturning a 3-1 uh, loss in the first leg uh, to lift a European trophy for the first time so there you go Anderlecht Galatasaray and Borussia Dortmund so what do we think of that well the best way to find out is to talk to our guests this week first up it's the man from East Lower hello there hello there and Andrew Allen hello Good evening. Uh, Jim, I'll start with you, if you don't mind. Um, Champions League draw was made yesterday. Arsenal are in a group with Dortmund again, Galatasaray and Anderlecht. The
2: The initial thoughts from you? Well, the very first thought when we got drawn with Dortmund again was, um, perhaps a bit uncharitably, oh, oh, couldn't we have had someone else? But I have to say, uh, uh, I like Dortmund. I like Dortmund as a club, and, and you know the atmosphere is always good at those games, so... Um, and I think the other two clubs, you know, we haven't played them an awful lot either. So I, I think it's a good group. It's one we can get through. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, it should be quite exciting, I think.
1: You think. Um, Andrew, uh, Dorman, there was that initial, oh, and then there was the whole, oh, we're going to get Olympiacos again. Um, but a, a bit of variety, a trip to Turkey, not necessarily that easy. And, of course, the last time we played Galatasaray was in the 2000 UEFA Cup final.
3: Yeah, God. A, a, a night to forget, I guess. Mm. Um, well, I mean, Istanbul is a is a place where we're obviously very. You know, well acquainted with after the last couple of uh, qualifiers so the last two years, I mean we've just been there with Besiktas, and um, we've also went there last year with Fenerbache. Um so I guess the club's well set up to make that journey um, I think is an interesting one, don't know much about them, I had a little flick through their team and the only bloke I recognised was Stephen Defour who I think played against us when he was at Standard Liège um, but no, I think uh, yeah, pretty good draw for us can't really complain, I mean it's sort of roll-your-eyes stuff at, uh, at Borussia Dortmund, I mean, three out of the last four years. I mean, you've got to say something about the UEFA seeding system, but, hmm. you know, at least, uh, at least Puma will be rubbing their hands together.
1: <laughs> they are good games, though, whatever you might think yeah. about the familiarity of it. The games against Dortmund are always really good, and, you know, they do, um, you know, when you meet a team often, you you generally scratch the surface and find out their, their layer of cunt underneath, but that doesn't seem to happen with Dortmund.
3: No, they're. I mean, they're a very attractive side. You know, they've got a manager who I think is probably their biggest strength. Really, a bit. I mean, you, I mean, some people would say that's the same with us, but some people wouldn't. But um, you know, they've got some great players as well. Guys who we've coveted in the likes of Royce, and if you choose to believe the papers, Socrates Papastopoulos. Today. Well said. Thank you. You know. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, you know, as a, as a half Greek man, I've got to get that right. Um, but you know, I think uh, you know, having lost. Uh, What's his face? The Polish guy up front, and they've replaced him with Immobile. Um, I'll be curious to see how that, you know, how that works for their team.
1: Mm, I'm not going to ask which half of you is Greek, by the way, uh, Jim. Uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those where we got to fancy our chances of being uh, top of the group going through because it's something that's cost us in in previous seasons, and maybe uh, the the games against Dortmund are going to be the ones that decide
2: that. It could be, it could be that. I mean, Anderlecht have a great European pedigree. They're one of those sort of names from the past, but we, um, I I mean, I, I think we should, uh, we should be all right. I say that now as kind of a tempting fate, but, um, uh, Dortmund games will be very tough. I don't know. I've got a bit cynical about the, 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 I I do love the champions league. Um, you know, but we've been out, we've been knocked out at the first kind of big hurdle. So frequently recently that, that, um, you know, I've got a, a little bit too cynical about it, but, um, are you uh, saying
1: that the competition has lost its luster for you somewhat?
2: I, I wouldn't say because I, I, That just sounds so spoiled, doesn't it? Seventeen years on the trot. It's not really that. It's just it's just that we've come up short every, you know, every uh, in recent years, at least in in pretty much the the first knockout stage. And uh, admittedly, we have played some tough teams. But um, uh, I I don't know whether I don't whether I care too much whether we come first or second. I, I, what I prefer is that we just. Um, I don't know. We play a little bit you know, with a bit more uh, maturity in, 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 the, in the knockout stages. Mm. I mean, I'll, it, it's it's a tough competition to win with the with the kind of money that's floating around in, in uh, Madrid, Barcelona, and obviously a few other teams over here. But um, yeah, I, I I just think I, I hope we're not quite as naive as we have been in, in recent years, um, as much as anything else.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, with that in mind, then based on on what happened last night, how are you feeling? You know, one nil up. With a couple of minutes to go and and you know one goal is going to put you out of the competition um I mean it, you know surely it surely doesn't it take away from from nights like last night where you have that excitement of of knowing that even if it 's just qualification for a competition, it feels like achieving something
2: yeah it does and, and it, it was a really exciting game it 's the kind of game i think in hindsight as soon as the whistle went you kind of thought what a great game but actually at the Mm. time it was pretty painful um it was a great game and and it does make it very exciting and there are just so many reasons that why last night was important you know for for the players for the club and for perhaps even for the next three days of transfers Uh, there are plenty of reasons why it was it was an enormous game and it was exciting but um i think uh i think it's one of those you, you also think don't you that at some point if you've done it uh Nine years, or whatever. Seven out of the last nine years, we've gone through the qualifier, and you think at some point something's going to go wrong. Yeah. But luckily, it wasn't last night, and you know, we lived to live to fight another day.
1: Andrew, it was a game. I thought we deserved to win on the night, regardless of how dangerous Besiktas were in the last couple of minutes um, when we were down to to ten men. But I think there were signs, perhaps that. There's a bit of life coming back into the team because the the start to the season has been difficult, obviously, from a physical point of view. You've got new players coming in. We've got players just back from the World Cup. Uh, Ozil playing only his second game. Mertesacker only his second game. But there were, it just looked as if things were beginning to, to gel, if not quite click yet.
3: Yeah, I mean, I still think um, when you looked at some of the combinations across the pitch, whether it was, um, you know, erzo and Sanchez, Sanchez and uh, Chamberlain, um, they're, they're players who are still getting used to each other and the types of runs they make, the types of balls that they like to play. Um, but we looked, definitely, you know, there was some, some real urgency in the second half, some good pace. Uh, players... They're close to clicking. You know, you sense that there's that a team at some point in the next couple of weeks could well get a spanking from us, but we're just still feeling our way a little bit. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm quite positive, despite the, the Giroud injury, mm. just because I think last night Sanchez showed much more of what he's really about, which is the energy, the willingness to close down players. And he really kind of seemed to set the mood for the rest of the team because I felt like everybody behind Sanchez, including someone like Ozil, um, you know, really tried to sort of snap into challenges a bit more, further up the pitch, and just pressing Besiktas. So let, let's be honest, they're not the greatest team in the world, so we can't go judging, you know, our qualities too much against theirs. But, um, no, it was it was very positive. I was, uh, I was much more impressed than I have been at any other point this season.
1: Well, what did you make of Jack Wilshere's performance? I thought he, he did really well. Um, some suggestions... Today you read people talking about how, well, perhaps he played like that because Aaron Ramsey isn't there and is there this Gerard Lampard-esque incompatibility between the two players? Um, what, what do you make of his performance overall in that particular point?
3: I, I, I don't think they're incompatible at all. I think they're, they're very compatible. I think Arsenal have a series of midfielders who are all very, very compatible. What I think with Jack is that like with Aaron in the, in you know seasons past, it's a confidence issue. He needs to be able to completely rely on his decision making. And when the moment he takes a moment too long to think about a pass or whether or not he's going to turn left or right and escape a player, that's when he kind of loses his effectiveness because you watch him turn in a tight space in the center of, of the pitch, as he did within, you know, two minutes of the kickoff, what it was last night. And he can actually make a difference. He can charge forward. He's best when he's carrying the ball and laying the ball off in a kind of, you know, in a forward motion. When he gets stuck and he's playing lots of little passes, you know, sideways here, sideways there, he seems to ki- you know, he seems to kind of want too much time on the ball. The defender's closing down. I mean, he's a guy who has his ankles clipped more than any other player I've ever seen, I think. Mm. Um, but part of that is just his kind of feeling his way into his own, into his own kind of, uh, into his own game again. It's strange. You watch him and you really did. When he came through, you looked at him and thought, this is a guy who, who just has a connection with, with the way Arsenal want to play the game, pick it up, pass it, pick it up, pass it. But it's taken him a while. He's coming back into it. I think, uh, Hopefully he's getting there. I mean, there were mm. definitely positive signs. There were also moments where I wanted to. I think I mentioned to you this <laughs> privately that I wanted to slap him, particularly last night on the break, with about two minutes to go when he could have played a pass through to I can't remember if it was Ozil or Casola, or but he just gave the ball away and it was like, and he, you know, he was furious with himself. But it's coming. It's coming slowly yeah. but surely.
1: Maybe the criticism is, you know, it's been as I've said, has been overblown, really. That um, you know, performances last night will, like last night, will will help quiet people down. He's just got to do that on a more consistent basis. Jim, what do you make of Mesedozo on the left hand side? Is that the manager looking at that as a role for him throughout the season, or do you think that it might be a case that he's using him there in the short term as a way to to build
2: his fitness almost? It could be the it could be the latter. I'm, I'm not sure he's best he's best at the left on the, out on the left there, and he certainly didn't have a particularly Brilliant game last night. Uh, on uh, I suppose, I suppose with all of these, well, the the German ones in particular, you know, they, they haven't had any preseason at all, and that's that's his second game. Ditto Murtasaka, and um, you know, it's it a it's a little bit ridiculous to come out with laying on the you know the criticism all really thick at this point. In fact, it's ridiculous with any of our players given at this stage of the season, but with those two uh, in particular it seems a bit pointless to me to judge them when they they clearly finding a bit of fitness it, you know, it's pretty much a pre-season for them yeah so um having having said that you know i, I think Urzel um, uh, would is, is a be- is better in the middle uh than he is out on the left and um and i think uh we probably need a bit more a bit more pace on both flanks uh to kind of bring the best out of him and mm. um uh, and maybe that's what would be what we'll see in the future of course it makes the midfield quite congested but that's a nice problem to have isn't it
1: yeah i mean is that not also true of santi cazorla that he's better in the middle than on the left
2: uh i think it probably is he was he was good he was good there the other night as well but Mm. um um, he seems, he seems quite comfortable going on either side, and, and I guess you know Erzul's played there as well. Uh, maybe the great thing is that maybe we shouldn't be kind of worrying about it too much and thinking that the flexibility is great. Um, but I do think on the flanks we need, because uh, of the kind of way we play, I, we do need quite a lot of pace. Uh, something we missed at times last year, and, and maybe in the fullness of time you'll get um, him coming more central.
1: All right, and uh, staying with you very quickly, thoughts on Alexis. I mean, the forty-five minutes you got at Goodison Park had people saying, look, he can't do it, he can't play as a forward, but um, the manager seems to be quite interested in the idea of him as as that number nine or a false nine or nine and a nine-and-a-half or whatever it might be. Um, he really did put in a huge
2: shift as well, though. The, the work rate was just uh, really, really impressive. I think that was the thing that really struck me because in the first half he was going... The opposite direction, and I didn't—I can't say I already noticed him massively. But in the second half, when when he was um, when Arthur attacking towards us, you, you saw the work that he did, and and actually it was quite illuminating how much more work he was doing seemingly than than his teammates, and and in a way you kind of you looked at him in the way he was just. Chasing down every lost ball and just going for everything, getting stuck in, and you kind of looked at the other players and thought, you know, come on, come, come, what you're doing? And and that's just the way he plays. you know he's, he's he's a little warrior, which is great. And I think I think what Andrew said earlier is right. It, it probably will rub off on on his teammates. You know, I, I think um, that was the thing that really, apart from his skill, obviously, and he nearly scored. His work rate is just phenomenal, and um, and maybe um, maybe that will be what uh, what makes it He'll probably make it a success in the middle if he just mm. keeps fighting because ultimately you, a lot of the time when you're a front man it's quite a lonely a lonely job just chasing for scraps and he seems like quite quite well suited to that that role
1: yeah we should point out that he did actually score as well as well as nearly scoring he did
2: score ah yes he, oh, i yep. was talking about the second half <laughs> says, says he digging digging himself out of a hole of course he did nice, yeah nice. but he, he scored in the second half is what i meant um andrew olivier giroux out
1: for four months uh which will will stick on that for for
0: imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time? Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.
1: um, even if the manager does want to modify the style of the team and, and change the way that it plays with a more mobile frontman like Alexis, having somebody like Giroud is a huge bonus as well. As we saw uh, at Coutison Park on Saturday when it didn't work with Alexis, he brought on Giroud and that more or less changed the game for us. So uh, a big blow.
3: Oh, it's, it's a massive blow. I mean, anybody who says otherwise has kind of probably not paid too much attention to how much we've relied on him over the last few seasons. I mean, he has been, aside from Mertesacker, pretty much an ever-present in that side. You know, he's he's barely missed any games, and he's always prided himself on the fact that he has a body which is able to cope with the rigours of regular football, whether that be in France internationally or or, um, or in the Premier League. And it's it's a ridiculously kind of freak injury to... Effectively break your ankle, blocking a, a ball which is kicked at you from six yards. I mean, it's the type of thing that you know, as a footballer, you probably have happen every day of the week. Mm. Um, how we cope with it is, well, I mean, it, a, a lot of the pressure will fall on Sonogo to be the, the, the backup battering ram. Now, um, it's a lot to ask. I think Arsenal's going to be more inclined to use him at home initially than he does away which is something which appears to be a bit of a pattern when he hands him a start. Yeah. Um, away from home, obviously Giroud has you know a, a decent record, but I think he scored more of his goals at home than he ever did away, and I think that was something that was levelled at him as a criticism. Yeah. I mean, we're go- I, I don't see Arsene buying a replacement at this late stage because I think in his mind he probably had a couple of names up his sleeve for defence and, cent- and, and central midfield, potentially. I hope he has. <laughs> Um, and he doesn't seem to like panic buys, even though he's done a couple of them. I just yeah. feel that he probably had his fingers burnt on the occasion when he has bothered to do it. Yeah. And, um, well, it's going it's to be tough. But, I, 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 I mean, Walcott's return will be a real boon eventually, but we can't really look a month in, ahead when we've got so many games coming up in that, in that,
1: in that period of time. So we'll have to see. Uh, Jim, the pressure will be on Arsene Wenger to to go into the transfer market, boost the squad in the striking area ahead of the close of the window on Monday night. Now, we've spoken about Alexis and what he might do and how he might play down the middle, and people will say he's a £30 million striker. Arsene Wenger will also say, look, we, we don't have an issue in terms of numbers when it comes to playing up front, we've got players. We've got Joel Campbell. We've got Lucas Podolski. We've got Alexis. We've got Yaya Sanogo. We've got Theo Walcott on his way back. Look at all the options we
2: have up front. Do we still need a signing, in your opinion? Yes, absolutely, we do. Because I think it. I think it's a bit disingenuous to say that we. That, you know that we've got. Of course, we have numbers, but you know two of those numbers have never scored a goal for Arsenal. Um, Podolski is yeah a bit of a bit part player he'll score you 12 goals but he's not played as a central striker particularly effectively for us on the odd occasion he's been given the option walcott i think is um he's played you know that the game he got injured was probably his best game at center forward when he was sort of playing in that role for against spurs and and um but he's injured right and and mm. he, he he's injury prone at, at that as well and actually even if you look at sanchez right his game is yeah, you know, obviously, I, I don't want to kind of be presenting the glass half empty here because I thought he had, he had a really great second half yesterday. But he's high energy; he kind of charges in on things, and you kind of think, how, will he be able to stay fit and um, and and you know, with that kind of energy for the whole season as well? You think no, probably not. And um, I just think it's 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 a it's not even a gamble if you you know if if you sign someone. Um, suffer let's say 10 million I don't know what it might be but um uh, that will see us through a season I think or even half a season I think it's a risk worth taking because it's it's otherwise you know we're we're kind of scrambling around again like we were last year and Mm. and kind of fingers crossed and it seems a bit ridiculous to me and uh I, I really hope I really hope that he's been deflecting the truth but Knowing knowing Arsen, you just don't know, do you
1: well, what he said was we'd, we we're open to doing a signing in any area that that will improve the squad, right, so I think what he's I think what he's reluctant to do is bring in a a player like Remy or Welbeck or somebody like that who isn't really any better than anything that we've already
2: got but isn't he oh, why why aren't they because ultimately both of those players uh, are, are have scored goals. Yeah, but neither of them have scored
1: more. Than, I think what he would, would say is that player is not better than Giroud. Like, Remy's no. not a better player than Giroud, and Welbeck's not a better player than Giroud, and I can get through. Now, maybe if he could get a player that was much better
2: than Giroud, then he might be more open to it. Who that well, the,
1: player is, yeah. though.
2: Yeah. Well, there's two things here. I mean, firstly, he's left it really late, and and, may, and maybe that's because there aren't very many players available, and maybe because of circumstance it, is why we're... You know. But ultimately, my view on, on someone like Remy or, or even Welbeck would be look even if it's a a punt that goes wrong after a year you're not going to break you're not going to go bankrupt and you can always move a player on and ultimately uh it's not like we don't have the money either it it just seems it just seems kind of wishful thinking uh, uh, and and to to expect Joel Campbell to come in and score 15 goals and and Sonogo too and maybe they will and I'll be you know mm. proven to be a chump but ultimately if your kind of ambition as ours is i i hope you know is to be kind of at the top end of the you know, we're already now half a season without our main striker, and the other ones, well, they may they may come good, but they may not.
1: Mm. No, I'm with you in in. I have to say, I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate a bit here because I'm absolutely with you in terms of um, the numbers versus quality issue. Because I think we've got Campbell, and um, if he can come in and score a few goals, great. But look, let's not be blind to the fact that had Giroud not got injured, Podolski probably would have been sold by now. Yeah, uh, that he was on his way out, and that. To me, just speaks to a fundamental lack of faith in the manager in Podolski. I'd say he likes him; he thinks he's a nice guy. He can score you the odd goal, but just doesn't work in the system that we want to. We want to play. Sonogo yet to score a goal. I, it never occurred to me about Walcott's injury proneness, and that's that's really something because uh, you know f- throughout his career he's he's uh, he's suffered various injuries, hasn't he?
2: Um, well, and the other thing, of course, is that yeah, he's had an- anterior cruciate. I think that's what it was. And um, you know, he might come back absolutely exactly the same player, but you never quite know and it might take on top of after he's back it might take 2 months hmm. to get back to the kind of place he wants to be. Yeah. Um and so it's it's kind of hard it's hard to kind of chuck him straight in and hope hope he'll you know sort of start off again where where he left off last time. It's it's probably a, a bit too much to ask.
1: Yeah. Andrew, would you take a signing like Remy or Welbeck? you know given the circumstances or would you want if we were going to go and buy a striker well let's let's see what we can do and push the boat out and get somebody like Falcao not on loan if we can bring him in permanently why not
3: um i don't think arsenal are going to spend 20 million pounds signing falcao on loan for a season no um, i think that's pretty much definitely not going to happen and i likewise i can't see us really going Balls out and spending 40 million quid trying to get someone like Cavani in. So I think the options really are someone like a Remy. Now, the way I look at it is if Remy comes in, Podolsky will go out. So then you're really weighing up the balance between what Podolsky brings to the squad and what a Remy brings to the squad. Now, he'll Arsene Wenger may look at it and say, Well, Podolsky knows how we play, he knows our system, I know his strengths, I know his weaknesses, I know the opponents that he'll be better against. Therefore, I'll stick. I'll stick with what I've got. Thank mm. you very much. Podolski can go at the end of the season. You know, we'll still be able to sell him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind Remy. I mean, at one point in this summer, Remy was the kind of guy who we were linked with as as, as being a solution. Full stop. You know, just an addition to the squad. Um, mm. But there's a reason why Liverpool didn't sign him, and he failed his medical. And there's a reason, probably, why nobody else has gone in for him as well. So, as an individual. Loic Remery doesn't really look like the solution to the problem in my eyes. Whether or not there are other players out there, I don't think Danny Welbeck is going to be signed by Arsenal because I don't think Manchester United will do business with Arsenal. I mean, we didn't do business with them over for Marlon. and I, you know, even though we did it with Van Persie, I think we're, you know, the, the relationship between the clubs has changed somewhat. Um, if he can find another guy who is established and can play. You know, 20 games this season, 25 games this season, and score 15 goals. Hmm. Great, but I don't know where you pluck these guys out of the air. I mean, it was a Denver bar last year, and Denver bar is now playing in Turkey. Yeah. Um, so. I
1: mean, it strikes me that the, the kind of player that we're most likely to sign, I'm not saying that we're gonna, but I'd say that we're most likely to sign is somebody 24, 25 years of age who's relatively low profile, who the manager feels has got the potential to to kick on and become a really good striker.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I look at the squad now and Arsene has his project player in Sunogo and he always likes to have a project player, you know, a guy who he might be able to bring through who's young and turn into something something special. And he's also got several other guys there who he believes in in varying degrees. I think, you know, Campbell is really the wild card Podolsky is the guy who's probably going to get sacrificed if Campbell gets given a go. Yeah, Walcott's the guy who comes in, who he really hopes can help cover. And, and, and Sanchez is a guy you just spent 32 million quid on. And say, you know, only today he said I think he can play, you know, centre forward for his entire life, you know. So he's really banking on Sanchez. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got Giroud comes back at Christmas and it's January. And, you know, well, we'll see. But I, ju- I, I just don't see him spending more than 10 million pounds on the player at this time of year with five days to go, four days to go. And I certainly don't see him sort of spending big money. And then it just becomes a case of who's available. And that's just, you know, then you really are in a lottery.
1: Yeah. Jim, are you expecting us to do business between now and Monday evening,
2: Monday night? I do think we'll do something. I think we'll probably get a player in and my money, if I was, if, if I was going to put it, uh, if I was going to bet would be on a central defender. Um, and I, I, I don't think we will buy a striker either. I, I, I would like to think we will, but I don't think we will. Mm. And uh, and I just think it's a bit late in the day. I mean, I know you can get. We got Urzel, you know, very late in the day, and things do happen and will happen. People will be offloading, and but it's a bit of a desperate time. You know, I, it's a kind of weird time of the year, and you can't. You certainly can't rely on something happening. Mm. But I think there'll be one. I think there'll be one more incomer, mm. and it'll probably be a defensive signing. That's what I think. But I, I mean. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Okay, but if I I were to give you carte blanche right now to go out and sign what you think Arsenal need to really properly, genuinely challenge for the title, what would you bring in? I don't mean names, but I mean positions.
2: I'd bring a centre half in. It doesn't have to be massively experienced, but somebody with. uh, Because it has to be someone who'd be prepared to be third or fourth choice. Mm -hmm. And then let's let's be honest, Chambers is, is. coming along so well that he's probably third option already so it's got to be someone that's you know that, that sees arsenal as a step up and and is promising it doesn't have to be a big name um so that would be center half i would buy another striker i mean just just for the numbers to be honest um someone who's who's scored goals in the premier league um before and i would and i would buy someone to cover for a to, well, maybe, maybe even a sort of future Arteta Flamini at the base of the midfield. That's what I'd do. But I don't think we're going to get three now. I think it's pie in the sky.
1: Mm-hmm. Andrew, if you, I mean, same same goal You've got a big checkbook there. What do you do? Um, I'd go out and get a defensive
3: midfielder because I think that's been on our list the entire summer. Um, and a proper defensive midfielder. So if I could pick, I would say the Carvalho fellow at Sporting because the bloke is a beast. And he's young. And you know he's the type of guy who I think under Wenger's guidance could become a real a real star player. Mm. Um, we definitely need cover at the back, so I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to get in an experienced head. Someone who, you know, as Jim said, sort of can can basically accept the fact that they're not necessarily going to be first choice. But I don't see I don't see us spending big money on that position because it's going to be very, very difficult to persuade a player that they're not going to be coming in as, you know, first choice. I mean, look, we just sold the club captain who had to accept that he wasn't going to be above uh, Saka and Koscielny. So he's, he's not going to be able to sort of, you know, Swiss Tony his way out of that one. Yeah. Um, and I mean, look, I'd love, I'd love to see us sign a striker. But, you know, I can't, get, I can't get my head around the idea that we will. So in that respect, I'm resigned to, at best, two players. At worst, one. But I could easily see us doing one and a loan, maybe. Right. I, could, I could see us doing a loan deal for a centre-back.
1: Mm. I mean, it makes the squad quite big then. So based on, let's say, a couple of players coming in, we'll take the happy medium between the pair of you. Um, certain certain players are going to have to we're going to have to offload i mean uh andrew do you see departures who would you tip if you were a betting man who would you tip not to be at the club on tuesday morning i
3: still think podolsky could potentially go mm. it wouldn't surprise me if Campbell went weirdly I know Wenger said repeatedly that he'd like to give him a chance but I just think if if something came up he might be tempted to to let him go I mean you look Coquelin's one who's who's sort of a bit of a dead rubber in the team um but aside from that I think you're pretty much you're pretty much done that's that's three but really I'm thinking Coquelin plus Podolsky is the most likely maybe Rio, But Rio, I'm not sure, is fit enough to secure himself and move somewhere else. And Arsenal yeah. seems to like having him around for no apparent reason. So, uh, yeah, those two, I guess.
1: Jim, thoughts on that? I have to say I agree. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Podolsky left.
2: No, me neither. And, and Ditto Campbell is the kind of thing that he, he, if something came up, then you could see him making way. The other one I would add is if we did make... Um, uh, a, a signing, a substantial signing, a at, at sort of the, at the defensive midfield. I wouldn't be massively surprised if Flamini moved on, uh, because I don't. I mean, I think Arteta is kind of getting to the end of his tenure there, but I think he's such a trusted. Um, you, you know, I think I loves him, and and uh, and I, I think he's here. But I wouldn't. You know, if we did get another midfielder in, I, it wouldn't massively surprise me if Flamini went. But I don't expect it.
1: I think we'll see probably some loan deals as well. I mean, uh, we were talking about Ignasi Mikel. I know he's not necessarily a first teamer. I think Cochalan will go. Wouldn't surprise me if Rio went. Um, I know they've been trying to move him on. So I think it could be like a, a busy, a busy couple of days before the end of this transfer window. So um we'll wait and see the jury will be out until next tuesday when the jury will be very much in and quite loud and vociferous i'm sure (laughs) um right we better leave it there gents thank you very much andrew allen ah my pleasure as always and the man from
2: east lower thank you not at all thank you
1: thank you to my guests you can find them in the usual places the man from east lower is on twitter at east lower at east lower and his sometime blog Eastlower.co.uk. Andrew Allen is at a allen sport at a allen sport, and you can read his stuff on Arsberg News and of course the Arsenal Collective as well. So check those out. Now, before we get on with the final part of the show, time for a bit of Mary
4: Bischoff Pi. It was a quiet day. I was on my fourth old fashioned and third rag of ether when the guy walked in. What do you want, Mister? I said. I'm kind of busy. I need your help with something. He said. Oh, yeah, I said, what's that? The collective unconsciousness, he said. Oh, I said, uh, that's kind of a big area. You got anything more specific in mind? Yeah, he said, get this. One guy this week said I was going to buy Ziggy. Ziggich, I said? The guy that played guitar with Weird and Gilly? No, he said, the, the tall guy. Anyway, one guy says I'm going to buy him. All of a sudden, the whole world thinks that's what's going to happen. What's going on? Look, mister, I said. I can deal with this real quick. People will believe any old shit this time of year. You're right, he said, and turned to go. Hey, mister, I said. What, he said, looking back. I paused. What's the latest on Solomon Kalou?
1: Now there's the thing. Imagine a signing like a Mary Bischoff. Gets to 10.30 on Monday night, and then, out of the blue... Or out of the darkness outside the Emirates, where the cameraman and the sky reporter have been waiting all day, we've got the big news. Arsenal have signed Gilbert Gunfleppen from some third division team in Germany. He's a striker and a central midfielder with a defensive outlook and a centre half as well. He's super versatile. That's what Arsen Wenger has spent the £25,000 on him for. Mm. So, it's all set up, isn't it, for the the uh, the last couple of days of the transfer window. We uh, will be doing a transfer deadline day live blog as we always do on Arse Blog News. You can check that out news.arsblog.com. Most of the time we sit there just posting nonsense uh, to pass the time because nothing much happens and I'm not especially confident we're going to do a huge amount of business, but nevertheless we can but hope that the gaps in the squad will be filled. And I do think there's going to be a bit of movement. In fairness, there's going to be players going out, and I think there might be a couple coming in. Um, What profile those players have or how much money we spend, well, your guess is as good as mine at this point. But there's certainly a centre-half has to come in, has to. Uh, and then we'll just wait and see what the manager feels like doing or what's available to him. He always hinted that the end part of the window, the transfer window for him, will be broken into two parts. So let's keep fingers crossed that, that he, uh, he gets his checkbook out. There's a game, of course, against Leicester on Sunday. We don't yet have any team news for that, but hopefully there's uh, nothing too serious or nobody has been uh, crocked by uh, Tuesday. No, sorry, Wednesday night's heroics against Besiktas. And after that, of course, there is an interlull two weeks before we play again. And we come back with a home game against champions Manchester City. You'd like to think that we've got more than enough to deal with with Leicester, but uh, they gave Chelsea a bit of a, not so much of a scare, but they made it difficult for them uh, and probably should have been ahead. But Chelsea, of course, came back to to win the game relatively simply. You would like to think that we've got enough. We'll have, obviously, Aaron Ramsey back from his suspension. Other than that, I don't think we have any real injury issues. Mikel Arteta says he's hoping to be back for the, the Manchester City game. But apart from that, hopefully everybody is fit and well and ready to go and three points would just continue this nice start to the season in terms of the results and the way we're going along and if we can improve the performance, all well and good. Um, There will, of course, be an RSCast Extra. We were going to do it on Monday, but it just strikes me as a little bit silly to be doing it um, in the middle of the transfer window or at the end of the transfer window, I should say. And by 11 o'clock on Monday night, we'll know exactly where our squad stands until January at the very least. Um, so what we're going to do is do the Arscast Extra on Tuesday. We can look back at any transfer activity there might have been um, or probably will be. Come on. There has to be, right? There has to be. So we'll do that on Tuesday. Myself and James will be here for the Arscast Extra. Thank you for listening this week. Uh, We'll be back next Friday on the Arscast. Maybe, oh, there's an interlull, so maybe there won't be an Arscast. Maybe there won't be one. Or maybe we'll do something. Who knows? I'm setting nothing in stone. I'm ruling nothing in or out at this stage. But usually when there's an interlull, we don't do it. So eh, we'll see. So until the very next Arscast, have yourselves a great weekend. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Alex, Alex, just look, relax, relax. I'm telling you, moving to Barcelona was the best thing that could have happened to your career and your profile. You went from regular first-team football at Arsenal to occasionally playing, but at Barcelona. Lots of people would love to occasionally play at Barcelona, and you learned other great skills there. You a bit of Spanish, some janitorial work, and Tata Martino said, you are the best cone-putter-outer that he has ever seen. Now those are skills I can take to many clubs. We'll find you a club. Do we have offers? Yes, of course, of course. Of course we have offers. Who? Well, look, I don't want to say just now. Because what What if it doesn't happen? I don't want to get your hopes up and, and you be disappointed. I'm I'm here for you. So we're going to definitely find you a club before the end of the transfer window. Probably. Maybe. But look, even if it doesn't work out, you can have a couple of months off. What do you mean you've already had all the months off? Okay. Um Hello? Alex? All, all of a sudden I can't hear you. Hello? 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 Oh, it must be problem with the line. Oh, I'll try you later.
0: This holiday season, treat yourself. <whistles> treat yourself to candy.